Marvin, Gary, uh, Ted, Mike, another Gary, Gary too, his wife Esther. Who are these random names I'm giving you here? Who are these people? Well, they are some of my actual neighbors. I've, I've learned a little bit about them since I moved. Jackie and I moved uh, there about four years ago. I learned uh, a lot of things so far. I, I learned, you know, Marvin, he, um, he and I worked on a shared project a few years back. We have a shared fence, and he was out there, and, hey, would you help me? So we worked on that together. That was kind of fun for a Saturday. And uh, he likes to cut his fence post and fence boards with a chainsaw. And that was, uh, that was interesting. I was afraid for my life there. He, he did that, interesting guy. Then, uh, then there's uh, Mike, who he works at Costco, and uh, he's also a master gardener. And he uh, has told me all about his work at Costco, and I've heard the, the, the Costco chicken story uh, at least three times. And if you're in my neighborhood and he's out there and he starts talking about the chicken, just realize you've got to give it about 30 minutes before that whole story can really take full shape. So... Uh, and and uh, my neighbor Gary across the way, he, he's very meticulous about his projects. Right now he's really gotten into pavers. And so he's pave, you know, putting pavers all around his, his uh, driveway and everything. Look, looks great. Uh, he asked my advice a few times. And these are people that live pretty close to me. People that live in my neighborhood. And I can tell you about more of them. But here's the question for us. How well do we know our neighbors? How well do you know the people that live in proximity to you? How, how well do you know? Do you know their names, at least? Do you know what they do? Do you know if they like to cut fence boards with a chainsaw? You, do you know those things about, about your neighbors? All of us have different people around us, whether they're down the road or across the way. There are people in our spheres of influence that are close. The problem is, for many of us, we don't know our neighbors. You know, generations ago, there was a guy named Mr. Rogers, and he had this whole show called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And there was a cute, a cute song, and, and, and it would kick it off and talk about, you know, getting to know your neighbors. And his show was all about the powering, the, the, the power that neighboring can do, that, that when you're, you know your neighbors and, and you're, you're loving on people, how powerful that is for a community and, and even for our own health. And so his show was on for, for decades, reminding us about being a good neighbor. But the majority of Americans struggle with neighboring. The majority of Americans struggle to know even their neighbors' names. I read an article that was in the New York Post a couple years ago, and it stated this, that a majority of the millennial generation, and this is kind of the up-and-coming generation, those are people that are now in Congress, by the way, the up-and-coming millennial generation, they feel more and more disconnected to their neighbors and the community, and most of them do not know their neighbors. And you know the number one reason why that generation has said is the, kind of the, the problem of, of being more in community and knowing their neighbors, the biggest problem that they're having is, is time. They say they just don't have enough time to meet with neighbors, to get to know people, to really connect to community, and it's hurting them. There was another article that was done by the Pew Research Center, and uh, it talked about how there's great benefit in actually 
getting to know your neighbors. We'll talk more about that as we get into this, this, this message today, but there's great benefit in being able to have some people in your proximity that uh, know you at least well enough that maybe if you go on a trip, they can check on your house for you. There's great benefit in doing that, but the reality is most of us struggle with being neighborly. And the reality is, if you were a community leader, right, whether you know, some town here in Oregon or even our town here is, is Dallas, you, you want you know, your community to be warm and friendly. You want people to know each other and check up on each other. You want that for your city. In fact, I, I, I recently met with our new city manager here in the Dallas area, um, and his name's Brian, and I got a chance to hear his heart about our community. And he really had a heart for wanting this town to uh, not just be quaint and cute, but he really wanted this town to be welcoming to people and friendly and neighbors that know each other and and all that kind of takes down crime and all of that. And and he had a real great dream for our, our city and town. And I would love our church families to be part of that in the communities we're in, that we are part of helping communities be warm and friendly so that we can not only build relationship, but ultimately Help people know Jesus, the, the, the true game changer in the world, right? That's what our hope would be. It's a great dream. So our big question for this series that we're kicking off today, The Art of Neighboring, the big question is, what if we as a church family, as a church body, and today we're meeting as Dallas Church here and also Village Church, so welcome everybody. Uh, great to have our teams working together. But, but our, our challenge for this series for all of us is, what if we began to take the great commandment literally we're going to read the great commandment here in just a little bit but what if we as a church took the bold step of starting a neighbor movement that we would be people who knew our neighbors not not a program or some kind of one-time church event but a way for us intentionally to regularly be in connection with our neighbors that we make it a point to get to know their names and their stories and what if we all starting today took this challenge of being a better neighbor. What would we discover? Well, my name is Pastor Ben. So glad you've joined us today. I'm with Dallas Church, and today we're doing this great thing where we're uh, connected with our with our daughter church, Village Christian, over in Adelso, Adair Village. We're glad you are here. Glad that we could do this together. It's so important on the first day of the week here on Sunday to get together. We're doing this that, like Christians all over the planet. We are gathering on a Sunday because it's our big reset in the week. Sundays are a time for us to take a deep breath and remember Jesus Christ, who was the ultimate game changer in the world. In fact, we celebrate Jesus a couple thousand years ago, being born in a miraculous way, living a perfect life, dying on a cross for our sin, and then rising from the dead on a Sunday and changing human history. And so we celebrate that every weekend. It's our regular rhythm, so we're so glad that we're getting to do this today, whether that be in person or online. It's so important to lift up the name of Jesus And that's what we're going to do today. As we enter this new series, The Art of Neighboring, I want to pray here in a minute, but let's let's talk about one thing. And that is Jesus saying to uh, his, his followers that if you were to boil the scriptures down, boil it all down, there's really a simple way to change the world. Jesus said this in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in this series, as we kick it off today, we're we're posing that question. What if we took the great command literally? So let's pray and get started. Father, we come before you. We're so thankful for your love, your mercy, your faithfulness, 
Father, today I pray that you'd, you'd challenge each of us that are, that are gathered together, you challenge us by the power of your Holy Spirit to become neighbors to the people around us, to really love on other people. Father, help us to, to have the courage to do that starting today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So right, when, when directly asked, directly asked about what's the most important things in the scriptures, boil it down, Jesus said those words, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Boiled it all down. Easy peasy, right? Love God, love your neighbor. Well, maybe it sounds easy, but I think some of us struggle with that easy plan of attack because some of us, we've lived in our neighborhoods for a while and maybe for years, and we're still not sure the name of that person over there or the name, name of that guy over there. We, we struggle with this easy peasy plan. But again, our question in this series is what if we took Jesus' command literally? What if he literally meant, Ben, love your neighbor as you, like, what if he literally meant my neighbor? And we're taking him at his word today. So if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. It's going to be up on screen and disregard the, uh, the Matthew 27, it's Matthew 22, it's not there. It's in Luke 10, uh, just take me at, at, at my word here. Find Luke chapter 10, and this is a story that you're probably familiar with. Many of us have heard this story, but it's a moment where Jesus begins to unpack this whole neighboring idea. And uh, your, your Bibles might, might say, a heading might say, the parable of the Good Samaritan. I actually think this is a story about being a good neighbor. It has less to do with the guy being a Samaritan. It has a lot to do with loving one another. Let's, let's read it down in Luke chapter 10, starting with verse uh, 25 here. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How, how do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Right? Who is that neighbor? Jesus replied, and here's the story that many of us know pretty well. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by, by, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, 
you go and do likewise. Basically, go do that. Seems easy. Just loving our neighbor. That seems, uh, that seems fairly easy, easy. But I think we kind of run into a problem with this passage a little bit. And partly because for many of us that have grown up in the church or been around church for a while, we've heard this story told and retold a hundred different ways. And we get a bit inoculated by it. Like, ah, we've heard that before. Yes, we all love our neighbors. You know, we we turn it into some kind of a platitude and and maybe a bumper sticker or two or maybe a t-shirt, but it's kind of more this general category. And we don't really think that it applies to that guy living right next to me. Right? we, We can kind of overlook it as if it doesn't apply specifically to our situation. You know, we're busy, we got things going on, I can't be bothered by that. So Jesus tells this story, right, to try, to try to get in there a little bit and try to really massage this idea of what being a neighbor is. And he tells a story about two religious people. This is a story intended for religious people, intended for us good church folk. Jesus told this story specifically saying, look, Two people who were leaders in, in the religion, leaders in the spiritual life, they ignored a clear need right in front of them. They were presented with a need, and they're like, I got other things I got to do. And the person that showed mercy, I know Jesus must have specifically chosen a guy who was considered a Samaritan. This is someone that in that day and age was someone that maybe was from the wrong side of the tracks. Someone that didn't have the right pedigree. You know, they, they, they didn't fit all the categories. Didn't, didn't vote and act and, and, and look like me. Jesus chose a Samaritan. So this is the guy that I want to elevate because he's loving his neighbor. He's showing, in fact, it cost him some money. A couple of denarii would have been like a full day's wages. And then he even tells he has the audacity to agree to pay more. If the innkeeper had more expenses, maybe he had to take him to emergent care. You know, get some band-aids, those kind of cost money. Bandaged up his wounds. So he's spending, it's costing him. And the religious people see the need and pass by. Now this should stir us a little bit. If you've been around the church for a while, or you've been a Christian for a while, and if you're not, that's okay, we're glad you're here with us. But if you're saying, I'm a Jesus follower, and we have a clear need in front of us, what ought we to do? I don't want to put a guilt trip on everybody, but just listen. We are called to be a neighbor to the person in front of us, and and we get too inoculated by this story, thinking that, well, there's got to be a loophole. I got to push back on that because, well, you don't know my circumstances, Ben, or, you know, Jesus didn't understand. He didn't really mean my actual neighbor. We're always pushing back, but we got to come back to this very, very simple idea. What if Jesus meant it literally? Love your neighbor. Your neighbor. What if he meant it literally? Let's take a neighborly check. All right, just a little, little kind of a, a little test to see how, how maybe how neighborly you are. Now, I could have come up with a lot of different questions. I don't have a lot. I just have a few. Who can just come over to your house unannounced? Family, maybe? Okay. Maybe not for some family. I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, could, could a neighbor come by if they needed something or you know, how, how, how open? Now, I'm not saying that we need to ha- not have boundaries. That's not what I'm saying. 
right? You, you don't need an open door all the time. You, you do need some, some quiet downtime too and family time, but we're, we're kind of in a time frame in modern life where it's like you can't go to anybody's house without calling or texting or sending an email anymore. And, and I think we've lost something there. And so your neighborly check question one is, can people come over to your house unannounced? All right, let's just throw that out there. Here's a second one. Does someone in your neighborhood have your number in case of an emergency? Now, some of you, I realize, don't live in a tight, compact, you know, suburban sort of, uh, of neighborhood. Maybe you, you have neighbors down the road or wherever. But is someone in your proximity, okay? Is someone close have your number in case of an emergency? Here's one more. Do any of your neighbors know what you do for a living or you did for a living before you retired? Have you even had that much of a conversation with them? Now, again, these aren't guilt trip things. These are things that, you know, if you're, if you're neighborly, these are some of the things that you, you might see as kind of a, a, a test of, of you're open to being a neighbor. Ultimately, being a neighbor may be simple in concept, but a little more difficult in practical living it out, right? It might be a little more tricky. And I realize that some of you are listening to me and you're saying, well, but Ben, you don't know that neighbor. If you're laughing because you may all have one of those neighbors. You may think, well, it's, you know, it's not my situation. Look, everybody in my neighborhood, I mean, they're, they're commuting all the time. So I, you know, I see the garage door go up and the car goes out and they go to work. They come, come back, the garage door goes up, the car goes in, and that's, I never see them anymore. I realize that that's the world we're living in. And I get this. You may have a neighbor that just doesn't want to be neighborly with you. Is, can we just say that that might be a possibility? They, either they don't have time or they just don't like you. I mean... If, if we're going to go through life hoping that everybody's going to like us, we're in a world of hurt, right? I don't even like me sometimes, so just, we got to get over that. But we have neighbors, and, and we have an opportunity at least to try, right? As long as we could just try. And for many Americans, again, they're not even making that first attempt just to get a name. It's a lot easier to love and pray for someone if you, if you know a name, you know, just practically speaking. The temptation is to write this off. The temptation is to say, yes, man, I hear that, but it doesn't really apply to me. Well, stop doing that. Okay, when Jesus told stories, he meant it. There, there was something powerful about loving our, uh, our neighbors. Jesus wouldn't have said it if it didn't matter, right? We've got to quit doing that, not just with this story, but with other stories. Look, it applies to us. It matters. And, and, and it, it begins with us being neighborly. Isn't it odd that sometimes Christians... We'll go on these mission trips. We're religious people. Okay, I'll just put that in a general sense, right? We're going to go on the mission field. What does that generally mean? Foreign country, right? Go, go somewhere else. So we'll, we'll go at great lengths. We'll raise money and we'll go to foreign lands. And that's good. I'm not saying that's not. That's, of course, that's good. But we'll forget that we might have a mission field right next door or right across the cul-de-sac or right down the road. We go out here, but we forget for the mission field that's right close to us. And when the goal of neighboring is to do something here. It's to go from stranger, right? We start in stranger mode. We don't know who these people are. We wave to them. Hey, hey, you. We go from there, stranger, to hopefully an acquaintance where we know a name. Then hopefully we're, we're going to move a little bit deeper into more of a friendship or more of a neighborly, a neighborly sort of, of relationship. Well, how do we do that, Ben? Sounds great. I, I get it. Jesus meant that story for me. 
Maybe he meant literally my neighbor. Great, how do we begin this process? Well, it starts with, with, with getting a name. Can we just get their first names, right? That seems easy. Easy first step. And we're, all, we're talking about, always talking about next steps around this place, right? So an easy next step would be to cross the, the road, to, to, to go to a neighbor and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Ben. See, I think there's a different temperature with, hey, bro, and hey, Joe. You feel the difference between those two phrases? Not just, hey, category of human over there, to, hi, David. Hi, Mary. Hi. You see what I mean? We, we go from stranger to acquaintance getting that first name because it's just easier to love and pray for someone when you actually know their name. Am I right? All right, so when you came in today, you may have gotten one of these magnets. Now, I realize this is cheesy. There's probably a million ways we could do this. This is a good reminder. You could put it right on your fridge. And what do we got here? We got in the middle, you. Now, I realize not every neighborhood looks exactly like this tic-tac-toe board here. Just bear with it. It's just a metaphor, right? But the idea is here's you are, and see... How many people around you that live around you can you fill in the blanks of these blocks? How many can you write? See, mine at home is going to have Gary and Cassie and Marvin and Mary Lou, Gary and Esther, right? I've done my homework, okay? I've done my homework. Mike, who works at Costco <laughs> and loves those chickens, but... Uh, this is an easy reminder, so can you do that? This is an easy thing. You, you don't have to get all up in their business. We're just asking for a name. Some of you will push back right here because you will say, Ben, I've been living in this neighborhood for too long and now I'm embarrassed. I'm sure that would never happen to any of you. Never happen to the likes of you. You've lived in a neighborhood for so long and now you're embarrassed to go next door. You've waved at them when they went by you know, you, you, you know, some of you know this. You, you're, you're kind of cringing right now. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Even if, again, you've been living in that neighborhood for a while and you just, for whatever reason, just hadn't got around to it, I'm going to challenge you. Okay, this is a challenge. Have that awkward conversation. And it could be something like, hey, neighbor, because I don't know your name yet, uh, Hey, I've been living here a couple years now. I see you every once in a while. I see you going to the mailbox. and I got, I, I'm sorry. Start there. Be humble. I'm sorry. I'm Ben. What's your name? Oh, great to meet you. Hey, I saw you walking your dog. You see how it starts? It's just as simple as getting that first name. So that's the challenge. We're going to ask you about this every weekend. So just be ready to, to have this in your face every weekend. See how many you can get. And next week, if you still got a lot of blanks, change that. Put some more names down. Real names. Don't put, okay, real names, right? Don't be fooling me on that. You don't have to bring it back. It's not like homework. But, and by the way, if you're online with us today, which a lot of people are, if you want one of these, we'll get one of these to you. We'll mail one to you because it's important. See if you can fill in your neighbor's names. Take the step. Move from hey bro to hey Joe. Because it's easier to love and pray for someone if you know their name. You know what? According to Jesus, names and neighbors matter. So if it matters to Jesus, it should matter to us, right? Names and neighbors 
matter. And we're going to keep checking in on you. So make this a habit. Get a jump start today in the midst of, I think there might be some football on. In the midst of all that, find some neighbors and get their names. Check in on them. Find out what team they're rooting for. There's some real benefits, though. I'm going to wrap it up here pretty quick. But there are some real benefits, and, and the statistics are, 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 are well-founded, that when people know their names, do you know that oftentimes when people know their neighbors' names, crime in a neighborhood will drop upwards of 60% just by getting to know a name? Seems crazy, right? Here's another thing. They actually found that if people know their neighbors' names, generally they're, like, physically more healthy, which is crazy, but part of that's probably just because of the relational part. You just know people, and you can wave to them, and there's a personal connection. Look, I've known people to intentionally grab a couple chairs and just sit out on either their front porch, their front yard, or just in their driveway. You have to be intentional about it. You know, bygone eras, like we did with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, might have been a little easier. People maybe were more open to that. Now we just have to be more intentional. But names and neighbors matter. Being neighborly, here's a warning, being neighborly might wreck you, but I think it'll wreck you in a good way. And we're taking Jesus at his word, and I believe it's going to not only change us, but change the people in our neighborhoods, and maybe even our community. So here's the deal. Let's make a commitment. Our church here, Dallas Church, our, our peeps here, Village Church, your, your peeps there, and everybody else is online watching. Make a commitment today to become a great neighbor. Write that down. Become, and that may be your prayer. Lord, help me to become a great neighbor. Lord, I haven't done a great job with it in the past. Help me to become a great neighbor and to love on the people that you put around me. I'm going to pray here in a minute, but before I do that, some of you might be listening today or you might be here in person and you've never, you've never really said yes to Jesus. You've never really said, I, I, I want him as my Lord and Savior. We talked about him already today a few times. He's got some great teaching, but you may be, I've, I've, never made it, I've never said yes to Jesus. You could do that. It's very simple. It starts with faith. Believing in Jesus Christ. And he is who, who, who he said he was. God's only son. He lived a perfect life, born a miraculous way, died on a cross for our sins, and rose again on the third day. That's the faith part. We're starting with that, believing that he is who he says he is. Repentance is the next step, is what we're saying. I need, to, I need forgiveness of my sin. I, I've been going my way, and I want to turn and go the direction of Jesus. And that we, that's what we call repentance. You go from your way to following the Jesus way. Then you confess it before your family, before everyone. I need a Savior, and Jesus is him. And then you're baptized. That is, you're put down into the water, buried into Christ's death, brought out of the water, risen to new life. And then you begin walking as a follower of Jesus, loving your neighbor as yourself. And if that's your decision today, we'd love to hear that. We'd love for you to check out the chat window. Let us know you did that today. But uh, for the rest of us and, and really everybody listening, let's commit today to becoming a great neighbor. Let's pray. Lord, you're so good and you're powerful and mighty. Father, I pray that we would take this challenge and we would listen, and listen to what your son Jesus told us about being a great neighbor. Father, help us to learn the names, to love and pray on people in our closest proximity, and to remember that for you and for us, names and neighbors matter. So Father, we commit uh, this action for all of us today that we would become great neighbors and that you'd give, be given all the glory because of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.